Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Digiday producer Aditi Sangu, and I'm back with sessions from our first European publishing summit held in Monaco. Here we discuss the many ways for publishers to build sustainable business models. A huge problem for publishers has been the over-reliance on one or the other revenue streams for their business. It could be display advertising, pivot to video for ad dollars, looking into scale and page views. All of this instead of a diverse model. But it's the year to change that. Digiday Plus research from the summit shows publishers are counting on more than just display and video advertising for revenue growth. For example, branded content. Right now, 70% of publishers get less than 25% of their revenue from branded content, but 89% think that they will make more from branded content in the coming year. So in this episode, Duncan Chater from Harst UK talks about the many ways Harst has its revenue streams going. And if you're interested in getting the full research on topics like these, you should sign up for Digiday Plus. Get the magazine, invites to member events, access to our Slack community, and a steady stream of exclusive research. More on this later, but right now, here's Duncan. Good afternoon, everyone. So I'm uh, Duncan Chater, Chief Brand Officer at Hearst. And uh, I'm delighted uh, to be here in Monaco with you today. I, actually, this is my first um, publishing summit, and I'm wondering why when I landed in Monaco. It's, uh, it's far too good to be true. Uh, so today, my uh, remit is to talk about how um, we at Hearst are embracing um, the marketer's mentality, which I guess in short... Uh, is how we're looking at other businesses, including our clients, and seeing how we can grow new revenue streams for our business. So first, uh, the best thing for us to do is just look at some of the big themes uh, in marketing right now. Um, so, I mean, it's no surprise, really, the uh, consumer behavior around mobile is growing. I think the latest stat is that consumers are now checking their phones on average over 200 times a day. Uh, and with that, we're seeing that marketeers are continuing to take money and budgets at pace out of traditional display uh, metrics and moving it into content marketing, um, largely in the form of kind of social, but also uh, with long form as well, as they're looking to kind of connect in that one-to-one -one consumer dialogue and tell a story at kind of greater depth. The other thing is precision marketing, and I guess with 90% of the world's data being collected in the last two years, it's no big surprise that marketeers are using uh, this breadth of uh, knowledge now to ensure that their marketing campaigns are hitting the right people at the right time. And moving on, experiential, uh, it, we can, if, we, if we relate to the point I made earlier just about one-to-one -one connections and telling a deeper story, we can see how experiential is playing a really, really critical role in marketing today. I think uh, millennials now, three and four millennials, uh, say that they would rather spend their money on an experience rather than a product, and that kind of starts to explain why it's such uh, an amazing trend. And then finally, kind of behind all of this, uh, we are at an all-time low with trust in terms of consumers and a lot of concerns around brand safety. Um, so that's a big, big area on the back of their minds as they're looking to spend all of their money at the moment. So what I'm going to do, uh, I guess, over the next 15 to 20 minutes is take you through some of these different areas and what Hearst have been doing um, to try and build out our revenue streams. 
So when we look at Hearst, our business is essentially, from a revenue point of view, is split pretty evenly. We're 45% of our revenues come in via consumers. Um, so some of that's through uh, magazine sales, um, some through our e-commerce business, some through affiliate revenue, and also subscription products that we're pushing out. And then 55% of our revenue comes from uh, commercial growth. So we have uh, 21 brands at Hearst in the UK, and those brands are pushing out uh, over 1,000 pieces of content uh, every day. And what kind of works for Hearst behind all of that content is we sit on one um, central CMS system, in fact, globally. So all of our content every five seconds uh, is ranked uh, by how it's performing both in terms of engagement metrics and reach metrics uh, globally for that particular piece of content on its site in its market. So all of our editors can see live which content's working and engaging, and they can rip that down and use that in their local market. And we're not only just obviously pushing out our content on our own platforms, as with all media businesses, we work with all of the social platforms, which is critical to us. So, you know, we have huge audiences uh, with Facebook, Google, Snapchat, who we had a great relationship with the start, actually. But we also like trialing uh, new, different uh, pieces of technology as well. So we're working with Echo at the moment. Uh, and we've just also, I think we're the first publisher now to start working with Musical.ly. Um, so we like to learn as much as we can about what our consumers are doing and also get the platforms to learn with us so that we can have a very collaborative relationship. <clears throat> so, but what is new for us, I guess, is um, we're just now uh, adapting a new polling system, which you can see kind of running on the screen behind. And this is driving really significant uh, insights for us. Uh, that we're using to optimize live to make sure that we're connecting with the right consumers at the right time. And it's really, really simple. I guess what we're doing is we are just helping our consumers who are always ready to engage with us and making it really, really easy for them and fun and relevant to just share a bit more information. So at the end of all of our articles, really simple questions of what they like buying, what their price point is, uh, what trends they like to try, whether they buy online, <clears throat> uh, what time of day that they're most likely to buy. And we're pushing these out not only on our own platforms, but also on the social channels as well. So on Facebook and Snapchat largely, where we have um, huge audiences. And then as we get all of that data, we're then aggregating that to drive our content strategy and to help us move our consumers further down the funnel. Um, so we can then start targeting specifically users based on the actions that they've shared with us to actually get a, a distinct action from them right at the end of the funnel. So either a buy it now button, which is driving that, or learn more that we can then take back to our con uh, commercial partners uh, for some deep learning. So that's largely what we're doing in terms of um, data and content. We also, we're using our brands uh, and pushing them out as far and wide as we can to help us drive new revenues into our business. Um, and one of the key areas, which is a massive investment area for us, is experiential. So in the UK, uh, last year, £420 million was spent by consumers on experiences. 
And we've basically built now, uh, over the last two years, uh, an events agency that sits right at the center of our business. So it's 30 people. <coughs> and last year, they actually activated for us 100 events, uh, which is quite incredible. Uh, we had 1.3 million consumers into those event events. And critically, actually, for uh, a sponsorship point of view, that drove an audience of 185 million people um, through digital amplification to those events. Um, and there's on the back of the screen here, you'll see um, a video running for one of our events last year, which was Esquire Townhouse. And I picked this one out because it's, it's quite interesting how that idea developed. It was basically born out of data from our Esquire uh, readers who had told us that they kind of wanted to engage in more events, but in specific passion points for men. So we took all of those learnings and we essentially built, which I have to say was very good fun for me, uh, a pop-up members club uh, in central London, which lasted for four days. And you could come in and enjoy the members club as you would any other members club. But then we also sold tickets to these different events which were focused around people's particular passion points. So either movies where we had a lot of A-list celebrities come in and do talks. Um, we had different things on food. So Heston Blumenthal came in and did a session. We had wine tasting in different areas. And basically what it did for us is it drove uh, revenue in two different areas. So one through ticket sales for us, and then secondly through sponsorship. And with our sponsors with these events, what we try to do is we have multiple sponsors, so a headline and then several layers underneath. And all of our sponsors bring something to the experience as well. So Dior had a shop, but then we had Breitling who brought some of their adventure ambassadors who came and did some talks. Um, LG created a whole lounge area which had lots of experiences inside. Um, and Lexus were ferrying in all our, uh, of our uh, celebrities. Um, so it's a really nice example. We have we build out a lot of our events by brands, um, but what we're also doing now with our events business is launching it into a white-labeled events agency where we're putting on events just specifically for brands themselves, and we're already having some nice success with that. A quick break here to talk about Digiday Plus because I want to make sure you all subscribe. Digiday Plus is our membership product. If you sign up, you'll get our magazine, invites to member events, access to our Slack community, and exclusive research. So visit digiday.com and you'll find the Digiday Plus tab on the menu bar. Digiday Plus is only $395, but if you want a 25% discount, enter code PODCAST at checkout. Now, back to the episode. So secondly, then licensing. Um, so we kind of fell into this uh, a little bit by accident about 18 years ago. Um, so um, some of our editorial teams on one of our brands, uh, Country Living, came up with this idea, crazy idea for a TV show called Farmer Wants a Wife. <clears throat> and Farmer Wants a Wife, I don't know if anyone has ever seen this program, by the way. Anyone seen it? Oh, yeah, a couple of people. There you go. Um, so Farmer Wants a Wife actually only ran for one year in the UK, um, but was a great success for us globally. Um, and even today now, it runs still in 20 different markets. Um, and we started to really understand the power that our brands then can offer to different products and services when layered on. So you can see in the uh, images here, and these are just a couple of examples. Um, for men's health, we take that and we endorse, uh, in this case, 
case, uh, very healthy meatballs. They do exist. Um, and that adds credibility to that. We also have a gym range. It's the, the best-selling gym range at Argos uh, for men's health. And um, our most successful partnership to date has been with uh, DFS, where we're actually selling now uh, just over 50 million pounds worth of sofas every year. Um, so it's quite incredible what your brand can do if you understand it and look after it, of how it can offer real value to other partners. And it's not just about our brands as well. We work hard with our culture to ensure that we can offer partners uh, the most from our expertise. Uh, so two years ago, we launched also a content agency. So this was basically bringing together all of the expertise and experience that we have in our building and offering it out to different businesses. Um, so our biggest contract to date is with Asda, and we started working with them about three years ago through their magazine, uh, producing a magazine for them. But that that's relationship now has kind of broadened. Um, so now not only are we doing all of their digital content for them and their social content, we're also producing adverts for them uh, in outdoor. We're shooting videos. We're actually doing all of their install materials now and turning into a very kind of lucrative uh, new business route for us where we're working with a number of different partners. And then finally, our people as well. So obviously, we're in the age of the influencer. And more and more now, we're actually starting to use our own staff um, to star in our campaigns that we run. Um, and the best example of this is actually uh, a campaign that we run with Procter & Gamble uh, for Olay, starring our beauty editor, Keeva, uh, Eve Cameron. Sorry, And um, this is quite a smart campaign. We basically actually took their product and we run it through our uh, high-tech testing facility, the Good Housekeeping Institute. Um, and then we also send a product out to a reader panel of 500 readers who test it for eight weeks. And all of the results then come in and are presented by Eve in, a, in basically an advert. So we're using not only the kind of trust of the testing mechanic, but also of our influencer. And Eve has basically starred in this ad campaign now for Procter & Gamble that's run over six months actually to date now um, in both TV, uh, online, and in print. And I'm told it's one of the most successful campaigns that they've ever run. So we'll definitely take that one. And so really, in, in summary, I guess the key kind of takings out for this is uh, what we're saying is it's all about uh, understanding and building out communities at scale to offer something that's really unique that no one else can have and building out your data on those audiences so you can take those to partners. And it's utilizing the strength of your brand and understanding how far you can push that out but still being true to its um, its values, and then finally building a really strong culture that embraces creativity um, to explore new revenue streams. And that is me. <laughs> Thanks so much for that, Duncan. Um, just before you go, have time for a few questions. Sure. Um, it was interesting you talking about um, the experiential um, area. Can yeah. you share sort of what percentage of your uh, branded content or your, your that side of your revenue stream comes from experiential now? Um, it is uh, well, it's going to double this year, and I think it will be it will be somewhere between about ten and fifteen percent of our business. 
by the end of this year. I mean, it's really, really growing. We're seeing, we kind of launched our uh, experiential business through just through a couple of brands, um, and they started quite small, and then it's grown. But now that department services the whole company, and we've got events at you know varying degrees of scale. So mm -hmm. it can still be, I mean, events can be done really successfully in quite a small and cost-effective manner. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, we're doing it on quite a large scale as well now. Okay. And um, you mentioned your, uh, your Facebook and your, uh, your Snapchat audiences. Yeah. I just want to ask, I know in the US you have some Facebook watch shows. Um, it's not been here. No. Um, but I was interested to see whether that was somewhere that you saw Hearst, um, or what, what, if you'd had any sort of good stories about how it's gone in the US, um, whether it's an interesting area we, for you here. Uh, so we have no plans to okay. do anything in the UK at the moment. I think the in the US, because, I mean, our scale in the US is off the charts, mm -hmm. really, in terms of um, Facebook and Snapchat. And we've got a big audience here. But that, that certainly allows us to test um, new things. It gives us a, a bit more kind of uh, scale in terms of the results. So, yeah. I mean, that's worked well, but we don't see quite the, um, the size of audience to bring that over to the UK just yet. Okay. And what about those platforms? I know you've had um, huge audiences on Snapchat. Yes. Like I have to ask, I mean, have you seen the money flow as a result? I mean, everyone's talked a lot about the audience growth, uh, which is obviously great, but yeah. have you seen uh, meaningful revenue from those platforms? We, so Sna Snapchat's been a really, really uh, successful partnership that we've had. So our chief content officer in the US sits on their board. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a very deep relationship for us. But um, that drives, yeah, it drives significant money. And we, we have invested back in our business. So we have a team of about, uh, I think it's five people now, uh, solely dedicated to pushing out Snapchat content every day in the UK specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and we see a pretty good return on that. And they're being very, I mean, they're being very open with us in terms of new ways that we can drive further revenue. Um, and I think because Cosmopolitan is, is such a big uh, audience player for them, mm -hmm. I mean, it makes sense. So that, that's when a partnership works really, really well together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a, new, there's a lot of new little products um, that we'll be testing over the next six months in the UK. Okay, I'd love to ask you for specifics, but I know you won't tell me, because Snapchat <laughs> won't let you. Um, would anybody else like to ask a few questions of Duncan before we move on? One here, at the front. Well, thank you for, uh, for coming today. So Rob Godby from the New York Times. I had a question. I thought it was very interesting that you are doing polling across all these different platforms, using it, obviously, to, uh, to cater and curate the content for yeah. your readers. But on top of that, it seems that you're also using it for advertising. Does GDPR come into play in here? Yeah, it, w it will come into play in that. But I mean, that's all factored into how we collect the data. Um, so it does, it will come into play, and I guess we'll see how that impacts it, if it does, in a significant way. Um, but we're pretty confident that it won't do. Thank, Thank you. you. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked the show, and I hope you did, please share it forward. How you can do that is by leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. It helps our podcast to be discovered. If you have any feedback, email me at aditi at digiday.com, that's A-D-I-T-I, or find me on Twitter. Thanks again, and I'll see you soon with another episode.